The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. What do we need to do to run this race for Christ? What do we need to do to just be remarkable for Him? And that's the question that we are going to discuss today. But before we get too far into our show, you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. And Lisa is still out on the road, but I'm sure she is rallying someone out there to do the remarkable through um, her fabulous personality and all of her insight. And speaking of that, we will have more information about some of the insight or tips and tricks that you've learned today on our website at GirlfriendIt.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, today we have a special guest. He is a youth pastor at Central Christian Church in Arizona. And I met him this summer as we led youth camp together. And actually, two youth camps, we did junior high, and that wasn't enough for us, so we followed up with high school. And his name is Wes McGarra. Wes, how are you today? Well, today we are talking about how do we run this race for Christ, and what do we need to do to do the remarkable? But before we get too far into our show, you were listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, and Lisa is still out on um, the road, but I'm sure she's out there doing remarkable things. And today our guest is a youth pastor at Central Christian Church of Arizona, and I met him this summer as we led youth camps together. Actually, we led two youth camps together. We served in junior high, and that wasn't enough for us, so we followed up with high school. And um, his name is Wes McGarra. Wes, are you there? I'm there. Good morning, Patty. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you. I'm I'm drinking um, uh, hot coffee with... Uh, mocha and it's sugar free, so I hope you're having coffee this morning. <laughs> are you a coffee drinker? Yeah, I don't I, even know that, Wes. You know, it's such a gross patty, so I, I steered <laughs> clear of that at a young age. <laughs> okay, I gotta ask you did your dad used to tell you that, that it would stunt your growth? He did, yes. So, but he also drinks coffee every day, so <laughs> I think he just wanted to keep it for himself. <laughs> so, you chose to drink it, or you don't drink it? I don't. I have a nice tall glass of ice water, so, but I'm oh, good to go. Oh, there you go. You're going to be yeah. all healthy on me. Well, Wes, right. we, had, we had such an interesting time at, at camp this summer, and one of the coolest things, I, I literally, camp is magical to me. I know it's the Holy Spirit, but I just, it's just so magical, and I not only love just watching um, kids make decisions for Christ and just seeing lives transform, but I love talking to other ministry leaders and hearing their stories. And what's, what's so interesting is how God changes your heart um, 
every single time I, I come back from camp, I can, you know, evaluate what the week looked like and see, see where God moved and just see how my heart was tugged. And, um, in listening to your story one night, it just really had an impact on me. And so I wanted you to just kind of share your story. We're just talking about um, how we we run this race for Christ. And it's just interesting to see where how people grew up, the the things that happened to them from childhood into, you know, their adult life and how Christ was just kind of molding them. And so tell us a little bit about your story. Sure, yeah, you bet. Um, I'll just go back to the beginning, and before I start, I'll just say I uh, I had two godly parents, so I'm, I started off in a great situation. A lot of kids don't have um, the chance that I did, so I, I had two great godly parents, and I grew up in a Christian home, and I'm very thankful for that to this day. Um, and I just grew up in the church culture, so I mean, I literally grew up in the church my the first year of my life. My parents were the custodians of a church, and I mean, it was just, you know, after that we moved and we shared a driveway with a little country church, you know, one that still has pews. We still sing out the hymns there when we go back and stuff, and that was just my life, um, growing up in the church around those kinds of people, and back when they had church on Sunday night, you know, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, we went to all of that stuff, and um you know, the older I got, I just did the next logical thing. I got involved in church programs and Awana. I, it's kind of used to be a big catchphrase. Awana was the big deal. I don't know how big it is anymore, but uh, that uh, was yes, like I it for us. Yes, in Awana. <laughs> yes, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just kind of the cool thing to do, I guess. And I'll just preface this with, Nothing against anyone who, who has the same experience, but I was homeschooled up until college. So, you know, and so there I was. Awana was like it. That's what I did. And uh, if you go through it the whole time, you go until the sixth grade, and uh, if you get to the end and you've accomplished all the tasks that they lay out in front of you, you memorize all of this scripture and, you know, do these different activities and, and stuff like that, you get what's called the Timothy Award. And basically, it's like the Heisman Trophy for Bible nerds. So that's what I wanted. I was like six years old, and I wanted this thing. So uh, a good friend and I, we that's all we did. We studied, and at the end of all those grueling years, we came out, and we had the Timothy Award. It was, it was such a great day. And so I'm in the sixth grade. So, and so, I'm so kind what, of what is it? What does the Timothy Award look like? Is it is it an actual trophy? I, I obviously didn't um, receive any of those awards, so I <laughs> I never saw Clearly what it looked not. like. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it stands about two feet tall, and it's constructed of wood, maybe not anymore, and it's got a golden cup on the top, and it's mm. the perfect size for holding orders. So. <laughs> I still got it. I actually, I still have the thing. I don't. I thought I could use it in an illustration one of these days, just to show how much of a nerd I was. So I kept it. I, that's the only thing I've got left. But um, so yeah, so I got that. And you'd think that was enough. Like any normal person would go out and have a social life after that. Uh, unfortunately for me, I heard about something called Bible quizzing. Um, not as well known as Awana. But, uh, yeah, from the seventh grade all the way, just to show you how cool I was, all the way into my senior year in high school, 
Um, I did what's called Bible quizzing. I won't give you the full rundown, but it's basically like a wanna on steroids. So just to give you a clear picture, my sophomore year, we had made it from the district to the regional to the national level in Chicago. And the kid who took the kid who took first place at the national level, we were quizzing on the, the Gospel of John the entire year. He could quote John backwards, verse by verse, in under an hour, word perfect. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he was kind of nuts, you know. And uh, so that's, that's really what we did for, what, six or seven years. We literally did nothing else but study Scripture. And our senior year, we went to nationals. You know, there were about a 1,000 people there all over the U.S. You could watch events online, live. They were streaming. It was really bizarre. But uh, we took first place my senior year at the national level. We beat Richmond, Virginia out in the finals. And uh, that was my life. You know, I was a senior in high school and uh, a national Bible quizzing champion. No one knew what that was, but um, that's where I was. And, do you still have yeah. um do you still have all of these verses memorized in your head? Have you have you lost a lot of, of the memorization or can you pretty much quote Luke right now? Right. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'd like to take the next fifteen minutes. No, I can't. And um <laughs> I'll explain why, but um it's just it's all repetition. You have to it's just a crazy process to retain all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I stopped. My senior year, um, things really started to change. And, you know, I, I tell people now, um, when you grow apathetic to the things of Christ and to the gospel, um, it creeps in slow. Like, it starts with a thought, you know, one decision, you choose not to read your Bible that day. And if you're not careful, those things can snowball. And that's what happened to me. You know, I went from being able to sit down and memorize a 50-verse chapter in under two hours to not opening my Bible at all. Um, mm. So I just really, you know, from the end of high school going into junior college, I just, plain and simple, stopped caring about the Bible. Um, church was a routine, memorization, all that stopped. And uh, that's when I started junior college, and that's really when I figured out that I had this newfound <laughs> independence. For good or bad, I I found out, you know, I was working, I was paying my way through school, I was making a lot of decisions, still living at home, but, you know, making all of these decisions. And and that boiled down to every aspect of my life. And so it was that point, I was 19. And, you know, if we had this conversation back then, I would have never thought, you know, looking ahead that my life would make all these turns that it did, but it they did. So at 19, um, everyone thought, everyone knew who I was, you know, everyone in church, and I was the good kid. People knew my parents. and uh, But what people didn't know what was going on, you know, under the surface. So I started viewing pornography at that point, and the crazy thing when I started making choices like that was that I somehow thought I had the right to compartmentalize my decisions. And okay, Wes, still, on that yeah. note, Wes, we're going to go ahead. Here we are. We're stopping at pornography, and we're going to take a quick break, and when Perfect. we return, we'll continue our conversation with, with Wes McGarra, youth pastor at Central Christian. We'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Kids, do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to our show this day. We are talking about being remarkable for him. And joining us now is our special guest, West McGarra, youth pastor at Central Christian Arizona. And Wes, we, we had you, I believe, in the basement looking at pornography, and then we had to go on a commercial break. So um, we're going to pull you yeah. out of there. <laughs> so continue on. Great, yeah. Yeah, you bet. So, yeah, sorry to leave it there, but uh, that that was the change. I mean, that's when everything started to become different. Uh, like I said, I was compartmentalizing my choices and um, just using this newfound independence, you know, as a testing grounds to try out different things. I was going to junior college, so I was surrounded by, you know, all these different people. You know, it's just a crazy different world, especially when you're, when you're coming straight from doing class in your living room to, you know, halls filled with students. So I was making new friends. Um, they grew up differently than I did, you know, so um, the choices they were making were normal to them. So I just started hanging around people like that, uh, still going to church just because that was the most familiar thing to me, and it was hard. It was it was like a habit, really, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stop going to church. I'd just grown up that way. Um, anyway, so, you know, still having this struggle with pornography and having all these um, different thoughts and, and trying to kind of push it away and clear my head on, on Sunday and, you know, in a sense, get right before God. And then, you well, know, I have to stop I have to stop you there, Wes, because I think that sure. Um, sure. For, for parents, 
even you know to yeah. hear this yeah. it's like such a fear to go okay how can how can we help our our children to not get involved in in pornography and and yet it's surrounding them i mean pretty pretty much everywhere they look right. had your parents um talked to you about pornography or getting on the computer was was there anything or you just kind of curiosity just happened to come across it and they just assumed this is a kid who has the Bible memorized. He's not going to be doing these things. Right, right. So, yeah, this- times have changed. Yeah. Time has changed a lot. So technology, not the same, you know, back then as it was now. Um, but even still, I think kids often know more than their parents do as far as, you know, technology and stuff like that. Um, but for me, it was, you know, on the Internet back then, and it was a pop-up. And it, that's all it took was for that seed to be planted, was having this image just on a, you know, a good site pop up at random. And um, so, you know, and the other thing to know that I tell people now is that the average first-time pornographic experience for people, for, for young guys, is age 11. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the thought, and people, parents often assume, is that, you know, in high school, all of these things are going to come at you, these things, all these peer pressures and stuff are going to hit you. But in reality, it starts much sooner. You know, I'm 11, I was still in Awana, right? I mean, I was still going after the Timothy Award. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I wore sweatpants back then, right? But that's just the truth. So the conversations about that, I didn't have any. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, I, you know, my parents were great, but I think they thought I was, you know, a little better than I was. But those mm-hmm. conversations, they just have to start soon. They just have mm-hmm. to. Um, you got to be talking about it and um, make it known. Otherwise, it's just an awkward conversation, you know, with your junior high or freshman son or daughter. So if you can mm-hmm. avoid that, start young. But, um, yeah, so anyway, for me, those choices led to other things, and I'll just move right on. Still in the church, I started to date a girl at the time, and I I don't know why I started to date. I just, it was, people were doing it, you know, this girl had expressed interest, and I thought, that's nuts, you know, sure, going to be the one girl, you know. So we started to date and had no, no boundaries, no idea. Um, she was, had grown up in the church also, so I think we just, you know, put all our money on the fact that we had this church background, but, you know, a long, complicated story short, um, all of all of these things I've been thinking, and they just kept coming, everything started to snowball, and before you know it, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm 20 years old, and I'm having a sexual relationship with a girl that I'm dating, and we were both showing up on Sunday morning to attend church service, and mm-hmm. somehow, I, I knew it was wrong, but I knew that I couldn't tell anybody. There was all of this shame and guilt that was packaged in with that, and I was, I didn't know where to put it. I didn't want to tell anyone, but I also wanted to be, you know, caught. I just did, and uh, I'll never forget um, sitting upstairs in the living room, and my dad was up there. My dad is just this great guy. I, I looked up to him my whole life, and uh, he was sitting there, and I, my attitude had changed. I mean, clearly things will start to change when you're making these choices, but uh, he looked at me, and he said, Wes, it, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's never too late to come back. And he just said that at kind of at random. And I thought in that moment that he knew. I thought that he knew I was making these 
these choices. And I wanted him so badly to call me out and say, Wes, you've been, mm-hmm. you've been living in sin. You need to stop. And, but, you know, years later talking to him, he, he actually didn't know. He'd just seen a change in my, in my attitude. But, you know, the bottom line, I couldn't bring myself to tell him that I had been doing this because there was all of this shame and all of this guilt. And um, it took another, about another six to eight months. Um, one day I'll never forget in January, six years ago, I finally in that moment realized sitting in the basement that I was a sinner. Mm-hmm. And it was until that moment that I actually realized that I needed to repent and I needed Christ for background that I was just kind of, I had a clear path. I was a ticket for all the work I had done. And it was just going to be a smooth ride. But in that moment, I actually realized that I was a sinner. And I, I told, I just cried out to God. And I said, Lord, listen, in this moment, I'm miserable. So I said, listen, you can have all of me or you can have none of me. I said, just make it clear. Change my heart, either harden it so that I have no desire, no guilt, no shame in my actions, or change me and break me. And uh, that was the first time I went back to the computer, the same computer, some 1995 Windows old dial-up computer that I'd viewed pornography on as, as a high schooler. And that's the first time I'd written out what's now started to evolve and become my testimony. And I brought that. It was like three pages. You know, I brought it up. My parents were home, and I just handed it to them. I couldn't even say anything. I said, I need you to read this. And I handed it to them and just sat down. And I expected, I mean, my parents were awesome, loving, great people, but I honestly expected, you know, to be shown the door. And um, that's the first time, that's the first time I've seen my dad break down and become emotional. Mm -hmm. And uh, they read it, and they both wept, and my dad came over, the first one, and he just embraced me. And I, I I can't even talk, you know. And he said, Wes, it doesn't matter. And he just gave me, he just spoke to me about the love of a heavenly father. And, um, and it was in that moment that I knew that I was, I was supposed to do something else with my life. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. I mean, I was barely making it in junior college. I mean, just barely. And uh, the Lord had just this crazy plan. Um, it's a long story, but basically someone came up to me and said, hey, listen, I felt like God, I didn't even know this lady, I feel like God wanted me to tell you about this school, you know, and within a year I was, you know, graduating junior college and and going off to a Bible college in Portland that I'd never heard of, and um, I missed all the deadlines um, at the schools, like state schools and stuff like that. Somehow I was able to get in this Bible school, and that's when, I mean, that was six years ago, everything changed in that moment. Um, I realized that Christ's love um, actually covered everything. Uh, I began to read the Bible with new eyes, uh, memorization. You know, I'd forgotten all of those things, but it started to come back slowly. It's still coming back really slowly, but um, that's when I started to live out uh, what I what I now know as my, my calling into ministry. And uh, so, yeah, here I am. Six years later, I'm working in a church. I'll be attending seminary in the fall. You know, I'm married. I have two kids. And I love the gospel. I love opening the Bible and reading the truths of Scripture. Um, But it's with a completely different understanding. It's with a smaller view of myself and a big view of God. Um, So now when I read, when I open up the Bible, it's not out of habit. 
Um, it's not out of repetition. It's not because that's how I grew up. It's because I actually have a relationship now. I actually desire to grow closer with Christ. And so it's it's crazy. Like, it honestly, you know, I tell people, like, the Bible is a trip. Like, it really is when you actually get in and you're you're open um, to what God has for you and you're in prayer. And you say, Spirit, show me, show me truth. Um, and, you know, it's the truth of Scripture, Hebrews 4.12, that the Word of God can actually, it's alive, it's active, and it can pierce you. And uh, so I finally discovered that, and it's just been, it's been crazy to see what God's done in my life, and it's been an awesome, awesome journey to this, to this time. So, yeah, just thankful for everything that he's done and looking forward to the years to come in ministry. So, well, in a nutshell, that is that's my story. <laughs> I love your story. And we have two minutes before we go into a commercial break. And um, just sure. listening to your story, especially as a, as a parent, and as we have quite a few parents that are our listeners, um, what, what are some takeaways that you can help in as we're raising our children? Because you, you can't help but but have our kids, you know, bury his word in their heart. And so you do think of memorization um, as the best way in doing that. And sometimes when we, and, and like you said, I mean, you, you love your parents and, and they did, you know, a fabulous job, obviously, in raising you. But we can always look at it and, and just take that challenge of what can we do with our kids um, in, in one minute? <laughs> what would be a tip there to help them? Um, be able to understand that it's bigger than just the memorization. Sure, yeah. If you grew up in the church, the thing I always heard was, you know, you need to hide God's word in your heart. I think that's a song. Uh, (laughs) You need to hide God's word in your heart. And uh, we have all of these things. You know, we teach the stories, you know, all the way up. So we know about David and Goliath and stuff like that. But when I got older, I asked the question, why? And no one could answer that for me. So. Everyone would always say, hey, you know, keep memorizing Scripture. You know, my dad always would say, did you read and pray today? He had this challenge. And it was a great challenge, and he modeled it, but I didn't know why. And I think, you know, even now I think about raising my own kids. It's a struggle. Wes, I'm going to have to interrupt you again. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we will talk more about that why with Wes McGarrah. Be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. 
Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright, Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to our show this day. We are talking about being remarkable for him. And joining us, we have our special guest, Wes McGuera. And Wes, we left the, to the commercial break uh, talking about your why. And I think that is so significant because so many times as parents, we see uh, the spiritual discipline and we want our kids to get in the habit of, like you said, your dad would ask you, um, have you read your Bible? You know, have you had the quiet time? You, we we want to make sure that they are drawing closer to the Lord. And um, but we do need to say the why. Why is that significant to have that that spiritual discipline? So um, continue on with that thought. Sure. Yeah. You bet. Um, yeah. I think the why is the hardest thing to answer, but it's the most important. And so when I have to answer now, not just for myself, but being in a place of leadership and being responsible to teach the Word of God to people as being an answer for truth and for hope and for life. Um, it's a challenge, uh, and I think a lot of kids who grow up in the church, we assume they don't, but I think most of them are coming in with the question, why Why am I doing this? And, um, you know, a good question to ask is, do you think you would go to church if you didn't if your parents didn't, if you didn't grow up in the church, I mean, what would make you come here? And you have to start to get to um, really just the bottom line, the heart issue with kids and say, what is it about Christ um, that's appealing to you? What What is it that makes you come here on Sunday, come to youth group, whatever it is, and to worship? And um, the quicker you can answer that question with them or start to have that conversation, I think the deeper that you're going to go. And, you know, one thing I talk to people about, if this is at all possible, and it is. I mean, if you're involved in a church, um, you need to have someone you can be accountable with. You need to have some type of of either mentor or just someone you can talk to and be honest with. Because if you're not honest with, first of all, yourself, you know, then you're just going to lie to the people around you. But if you can have someone that you can actually talk to, um, that will go, I think, a great distance for you and Part of the thing that slowed me down, I think, was, one, I was lying to myself, but I was afraid to go to my parents. And that, I know that would hurt them, uh, for them to hear that now, because they loved me and they wanted, you know, they wanted me to have this relationship with Christ, but uh, I was afraid to go to them and, and talk until, you know, mm -hmm. finally the weight was just too much and I broke under it. But 
Um, the quicker you can have someone set up in your life, um, the better. And uh, the other thing, and I think this is even bigger, is to have a good prayer life. Um, I didn't. I look back, I was memorizing scripture, and I could quote literally books of the Bible, word perfect, but I couldn't really tell you what it meant. You know, I couldn't tell you what Ephesians meant. I could just quote to you. And so just, you know, playing off Ephesians, Christ being the mystery that's revealed, I didn't know what that meant. Uh, him breaking down the dividing wall, you know, so all people can come and worship him and, and have an equal standing before him. Things like that didn't click until I went away to Bible college. And so, you know, not everyone, you know, can listen to me and say, what's well, easy, you went to Bible college, you work in a church, you're going to seminary, I'm already working full-time, or I don't have that desire, I don't feel called to ministry. I think the answer for that is prayer. Um, the minute we don't pray, the minute we, we, you know, say to God, to the Holy Spirit, I don't think you have the ability to speak to me just in prayer, just through your word. Mm. Um, then we're really setting ourselves up. I don't want to say for failure, but we're, we're cheating God out on the Holy Spirit out on his whole purpose. When Christ left, he said, I'm going to leave someone here and it's this, this, person is going to be better. I mean, saying this to people who have been there last three years with him, who have watched him be crucified, being raised from the dead, and he's about to leave them to go into heaven the last time they'll see them, and he's saying, someone better is coming. And I think we forget, man, that the Holy Spirit is just this access that we have um, that goes before the Father on our behalf. And so um, if your prayer life is weak or if your prayer life is struggling, then I, I think really then you're going to find some discrepancies. You're going you're gonna to feel like you're not really maybe understanding certain things. And so I would tell someone right away, the first thing you need to do is you need to check your prayer life, and you need to go before the Father. You need to, you need to listen to him and to speak to him, um, and that will help, I think, in the clear understanding. That's what you want. We don't want right answers. Uh, I remember witnessing to a guy when I was 18, and uh, I just watched The Da Vinci Code, and I was in a parking lot at the mall for an hour and a half. And this guy just kept saying to me over and over, you're a Christian robot. And he said, I've heard it all before. And I had no idea, you know, where to put that. I didn't know how to talk. I just kept giving him answers that I had learned. And I think it was kind of a wake-up call. I think it was clear to this guy that I actually didn't have a deep relationship with Christ. And it, that stung, you know, I just thought, you know, this guy doesn't know. Clearly, if I had my Timothy Award in the back of my Honda Prelude and I could show him, I could win him to Christ. But the fact of the matter was I wasn't praying, uh, and I wasn't, uh, I just didn't have a clear understanding of Scripture. So um, that's what you I talked about. I can't interrupt you on that, going, Wes. Yeah. I, the, that is sure. such a good point. When I was um, in, in my early 20s and sharing Christ with I was so out to um, win them over with the knowledge that their faith was wrong and my faith was right, right. that you get right. caught up in that. You get caught up in the, the facts and you get caught up in, you know, explaining what the scripture meant. And um, rather than I, I think it's interesting that he was actually saying, you know, you're just a Christian robot because. Um, we do come across that way when we're not talking from our heart and we're not sharing our story and sharing the true love that that Christ is pouring out 
um, we do come across that they're just a project and they're just another. Right. Uh, I, I literally had a gal come up to me and um, she gave me the, the four spiritual laws track and said, do you do you believe in Jesus? And I said, yes. And she said, do you know that you if you died right now, you could go to heaven? And I said, yes. I mean, but before I could even get in a conversation, she was saying the, the sinner's prayer with me. And she went through the whole thing that she had led 400 people to the Lord. And, you know, obviously I was 401 by the time she was done with me. Um, even though I had already had a relationship with Christ, it was just, she literally was, and, and you and you hate to knock that, but you wanted to just go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's just wait up here and and ask people questions and find out where they are, just in conversation and develop the relationship, and then you can right. um, go from there. So I I think that is such a great point. And also on prayer, um, I pray all the time for my kids, and especially you know they're all starting a new school year, that God will surround them with a great support group and that he will put people in their lives that will have an impact on them that love Jesus with all their heart and, and that they can have an impact on others. But I do think that's a significant thing to pray for. Like you said, you didn't have that support group around you. And it, it only takes one person to call you out on things to go, Hey, what, right. what, what are you doing here? Because I do think it's hard sometimes to go to your parents and um, so, yeah, to pray for that that one person in their life that can help them breathe into them and be that support group. So, anyway, let's keep going on. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, you know, just that I, I think I'll understand this more the older my kids get. But the desire as a parent, I think, and, you know, I'm my kids are young, but... We want to. We want the best for them. Uh, we want to protect them. We want them to, to grow up even better than we did. To have you know uh, a Christ-centered relationship deeper than than we had at their age, and we want to provide. Want to provide. Um, but the Christianity, um, the thing that sets it apart is the fact that you have a relationship with Christ, or you don't. Uh, but there's that relationship aspect. And the, the first time you know, I graduated. Um, Bible college, and I had an opportunity at the church I served at to preach, just kind of as a thank you and a goodbye. And the passage I picked was John fourteen six about Jesus when he says to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And a point I made was, was for the whole congregation, but to parents saying, you can't pick. You can't pick your kids to go to heaven. You can't choose. You can't will them there. Um, you can't... Um, you, you just you're not in that position to choose. And so it's essential for us as we're teaching our kids as they're growing up that they're getting all of these foundations, yeah, that they're reading and memorizing, whatever it takes to get them excited about the Word. But at some point, and I think the earlier it can happen, it has to be their own relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think even though I had done all of that work, um, I was piggybacking off the fact that I had grown up with two parents that loved each other. You know, I didn't come from a broken home. I was in the church, and that was it. Like, I was in. Like, I thought I was in. And uh, it wasn't until, you know, six years ago that day, I and I realized I was dead in sin. Ephesians 2, um, when Paul says, listen, all of us at one time were dead in our transgressions and sins when we followed the ways of this world. And if Paul can say it, then... He, 
you know, we need to be saying, oh, okay, that, that would be us also. And so Christianity has to be your own relationship with Christ or you're getting, you're not getting there. You're not understanding it fully. And uh, so I tell people that now, that knowing the right answers gets you nowhere. It just, it really doesn't, but believing them gets you everywhere. So that moment when you go from cognitive to just understanding and having these, these developed thoughts, and, you know, trying to go and, and witness to all these people to actually believing and understanding that you're in that group. And I think you view people differently. You know, instead of looking for number 401, you go back to First Peter 3.15, you know, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to people to the hope that you have. But do this in gentleness and respect with, with respect. And um, that's what I wasn't doing. You know, that's that lady that you were talking about. That's just a great story sometimes people get caught up in like you need to make this choice you're a sinner come to jesus that's it but uh, i think if we're actually changed if we have a true relationship and he's actually come in and has this change and there's spiritual fruit there then we're going to go see people in a different way we're going to love the people around us um, and we're going to talk to them um, out of our desire for them to come and have what we have to experience this true relationship of with Christ and where they can understand honest forgiveness. No no strings attached, complete forgiveness for everything. Well, and, and uh, we note, can't go out and... We are yeah. going to conclude, yeah. and I just love that. Thank you for the challenges that you gave us today, and thank you so much for sharing your story, and we will be right back after this break. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better, forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio, where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday. 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. 
a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. talking today about how to be remarkable for him and our next guest Deanna Urban has a huge heart in running this race to win and Deanna has served with Moms in Prayer formerly known as Moms in Touch uh, so welcome Deanna oh well, thank you Patty thank you for having me well I, I'm going to go ahead and just jump right in and have you tell your story Deanna um, just Start with sharing from when you moved uh, here to Arizona seven years ago. Okay, great. Um, yes, we moved to Arizona. My husband's job, um, he was had an opportunity for a transfer out here. So we had been in Indiana all our lives, and we had three children. Our youngest was two at the time. Our oldest was going into eighth grade. And then our middle child, uh, Eric, he was getting ready for kindergarten. So we moved out here, and... Um, I was excited for a new adventure, but then once we got here, it's like, oh, Lord, you put us in this barren, dry desert, and I just <laughs> was so feeling so, I was feeling so, oh, I, I could feel God moving in my heart, and I just, you know, was so burdened, I guess you would say, for it's the so lost funny, out Anna, here, because, you know, I grew It Well, it's so funny, because... Um, when when I hear people talking about oh this this desert and it's so hot because I I grew up here my entire life I'm a native and and Lisa as well <laughs> and we like mm -hmm. I love the smells of the desert I love the swore cactus I and I love the green grass I do like when I when I go to Arkansas when we go you know travel I just I love all the rolling hills but it's funny people's perspective of the desert when you move here from the green grass. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. Now, and it was, it, yeah, well, you know, it really just, it wasn't just the bareness and the dryness and the heat, but, you know, we came from Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, pretty much in the heart of, you know, the Bible Belt, um, very Christian community, and then we moved out here, and we moved into a rental home for the first few months until our house was ready, and of course it was summertime, so people were like driving into their houses, shutting their garage door as soon as they got out of their car, and no mm -hmm. way to really get to know your neighbors, but I just felt like there was just so many lost people, and I felt so alone out here. I felt like, and, um, you know, God, where are the Christians? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That is one thing that I, I really do have a passion for, um, and I'm guilty of it as well, because you, you coming from, like you said, Indiana, where there's just that friendliness. We do have that. We pull into our garage, and our garage door goes down, and um, you might see a neighbor when you're walking to go get your, your mail, but we really don't take the initiative to, to go do that, and that's so true. It, it's hard, and, and yet we live in a very isolated world, and we can't figure out why there's so much loneliness, and yet we that's, that's just our culture, and it, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I actually, after we moved out here and started feeling that way, I mean, we, you know, we went around to all the Christian churches that we could find locally, trying to find a place to call home, and um, just trying to find a community of believers. And so we got connected at a church and, you know, met some great people and such, but I still had this feeling in my heart, and I was really actually very burdened for um, our children. Um, we... Um, 
lived in a neighborhood where we would have a lot of, you know, missionary people come around and talk and such. And I was out washing my car one day, and I remember these two young girls came by on their bicycles, and just as sweet as can be. And um, but when they left, I just I just wept, and I just I wept for them. I wept for our children and for the future. And I don't know why I wept, but I did. And mm-hmm. actually, it wasn't until um, our daughter was, I don't know, like a sophomore in high school, and I went to pick her up from school one day and waiting in the parent pickup line, and all of a sudden um, the bell rings, and I see all these kids filing over from the institution, the religious institution next door to the church. And I, once again, I just started weeping, and I'm like, dear God, you know, our, our Christian churches, you know, we don't have it available out here that they're, you know, um, situated right next to the school so that our kids can go for their Bible learning as well. And I just started, you know, weeping. And immediately God brought to mind Moms in Touch. You know, that's what we were called before. And which was planted in my heart back when our daughter Sarah um, was in first grade. Never attended a Moms in Prayer group or Moms in Touch, but I had heard about it. And it was funny how God works because at that moment he gave me that word. He reminded me of that. I mean, it had been 10 years later. And he gave me that word. And so I couldn't wait to get home and get on the computer and um, see if we had any moms in prayer groups out here because I thought, you know what, God, I'm only one person, but the thing that I can do is pray. Mm. And so that's what I wanted to do. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting. Our our last guest, a youth pastor, um, was talking about that, that you have to have that that prayer. And, and sometimes we have a tendency to get so caught up in so many other things that we're not taking the time to prayer. We have an opportunity to tap in to the most significant power of the universe, and yet we ignore it. We we ignore, um, you know, just that opportunity and, and to be able to imagine the potential that God gave us when we do tap in. So you started praying. Absolutely. And, and the interesting thing is that I was raised um, in a very legalistic faith. I came from a dysfunctional home. My parents didn't get along, and they later divorced when I was 20 years old. And But my mother was always very, very faithful to take us to Mass every single week. So I knew God. I knew about Jesus, but I really didn't know Jesus. And it really wasn't until um, um, I was saved and became a Christian in 1998 that I developed a relationship with Jesus and then I actually learned how to pray. And so through Moms in Prayer, I have learned so much about prayer. My prayer life is just, oh, I love it. I just love Moms in Prayer. I love how we pray, the four steps of prayer. I love um, having that intimacy with God on a regular basis with other believing moms who are just so concerned for their children and for their future. And it's just, it just has stirred me so much. It's just I'm so passionate about Moms in Prayer. And with the new school year starting, I am so excited for all the new groups that will be starting for um, our schools and just praying that God is going to cover every single school in the state of Arizona with praying so moms those, through Moms in Prayer. What are those four steps, Deanna, the four steps in prayer? That's a great tip for, for those listeners out there to just kind of so many times we, we pray and our mind wanders and we have ADHD and you can't just be still. But mm-hmm. if you have a, a guideline and something to follow, it does make it easier to, to pray. So what are those four steps? Well, actually, we use the um, – it's kind of the ACTS format of prayer. 
And the first thing that we do is that we praise God for an attribute. Each week we choose an attribute, um, you know, like God is sovereign. Say that's our attribute. And we focus on that um, for quite a few minutes, you know, like 10, maybe about 7, 8 minutes in our prayer time. And we're just praising God for being sovereign. And we look up scripture and it, we just spend that whole time just praising him for that. And then after that, the second step is confession, where we go into a quiet time of personal confession with God to clean our hearts and to um, ask God for forgiveness before we go into asking him for anything. And then the third step is thanksgiving. We basically just say thank you, God, for whatever it might be that he has blessed us with or our children or families or community or whatever it might be. And then the last step of our prayer is the intercessory prayer, where we actually um, break off into smaller groups of two to three moms, and we um, lift up our children. We pray scripturally, so we have a scripture related to what the attribute of God was for that week. And then we actually um, present our request to God for our particular child, and, and uh, we just pray together and ask for God's help and anointing and blessing in that area that we're concerned with. Mm. I, that, that, I, I love those four steps and I, I know we, we hear those, the, the acts and the, the four um, principles there, but just to be reminded of that is, is so good, especially the Thanksgiving. I know, um, I have not read the book yet, but have you heard of a thousand gifts? Um, yes, actually I picked it up from the library one time and I did not complete the whole thing, but it's a phenomenal book. Yeah, and I just, you know, you, you start the, in the last year, I, I keep hearing about it, and I, I keep going online to order it, and then I never, whatever, <laughs> whatever reason. So at least you picked it up. <laughs> I understand. I did. <laughs> but um, but it, is, it is so significant to um, to be in that Thanksgiving part. I, I know um, working a lot with younger moms, and they're feeling very overwhelmed, and it's easy to get mm -hmm. caught in the just being overwhelmed and talking to each other about being overwhelmed. <laughs> and you, oh, absolutely. You, you can't get out of it. You know, you just kind of get stuck in that, that cycle. So um, to focus on all the things that you, we're just thankful for and to be able to, to share that with, with God. I, I'm right now I'm reading through the story by Max Licata, Max Licato, it's uh, the the Bible um, with my 11 year old, and um, you you look mm. back at all the times when they're disciplined is because they had a grumbling heart, and it makes me even more so mm. want to be just in that prayer of thanksgiving to be so thankful. But Deanna, we have two minutes. Um, this, okay. this segment went by way too quickly. Is there anything that you would like to just share as as tips to the listener, our listeners today, on just how God had He laid it on your heart um, to to pray, and that is so significant. Is there something that you can share with our listeners today to challenge them? Well, I think the main thing is um, listening to God and um, acting on what He is telling you, because. I just, you know, as I told you that story earlier about how I just started weeping in the pickup line at school, um, <laughs> and just so, you know, burdened for our children and their future, and it's like, you know, what can I do? But what we can do is pray, and our prayers are heard by the Most Holy God, and mm. He wants to answer those prayers, and He cares about every little hair on our head, and that just totally, uh, it's just mind-boggling to me that He cares about us so much, and that prayer 
is our conversation with God, and he wants us to pray to him and be intimate with him in that way. And um, the blessings just pour forth um, when you have a prayerful life, when you're um, on Jesus's, on God's lap and you're just curled up with him and you're talking to him and listening to him. And I just cannot, I guess, um, eloquently explain what prayer means to me. And I could not imagine my life without it because it has gotten me through so many things. I've seen so many prayers. I've seen so many miracles just in my family's lives um, that have been answered through prayer. And had I not gone to the throne to present those requests to God, he, even though he knows our hearts, he wants to hear us you know, say that to him and ask mm-hmm. him for those things. And, and he has, and he will continue to do so. So I just encourage, you know, all those people out there, I know may, we mainly have a lot of women listeners, and, and I'm, I am hoping and praying that every single person that's hearing this broadcast will um, remember Moms in Prayer and encourage, if they can't go themselves, to encourage other moms that they know to get involved, to start praying for their schools and for their children, and, and what a difference awesome, it will Deanna. make in the future. Thank you so much. We have to close our show today. Thank you for listening to Girlfriend It, and we will talk to you next week.